Hey everybody, this is uh, Drew uh, doing a quick intro for this podcast. Not something we usually do, but figured it will be worth it for this one. Uh, in this episode, we have some discussions about uh, suicide. Uh, so if that is something that uh, you don't want to hear, uh, skip this one. Uh, if it's something that you struggle with, uh, we wanted to throw out the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline as well, which is uh, 800 Two seven three eight two five five. Again, that's eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. And uh, we definitely want people to get help that uh, that need the help. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett, where we examine current and emerging technologies through the lens of diversity and equality. All right. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Eminent Teachnology with Dr. Rochelle Newton and Drew Stennett. Uh, today, we have a more serious topic. I think all of our topics have been pretty serious, excluding maybe our, uh, our movie topics, although I consider those serious because movies can be serious business. Uh, but today, uh, we're going to talk about technology and suicide. And uh, Rochelle, when you sent me this message today, uh, I was a little, I don't know, I won't say like surprised, but I was like, oh, that's, uh, that's very heavy. And that's not something I'm used to talking about. I will say like, like many of our conversations, uh, a topic that I've never really talked about with anybody. So I was sort of curious, like what, uh, uh, what made you want to bring that up today? How often I feel suicidal. Well, is that something that happens a lot? kind of, you know, when I was younger, um, I think I told you my, my mother who raised me died and I went through a vault, a vault, a time of trying to kill myself. I think I tried six times. I wasn't successful. You know, all normal people kill themselves. I tried all of them and I didn't die. So I guess God had a plan for me to be here. Then in the 90s, uh, one of my aunts, George, uh, died from brain cancer and I went through a vault a, a, a time of that as well. And, and I think no longer being at Duke, I feel, and I never really thought about this very clearly, but I don't have an identity without having a job. And that's the strange thing to say, I don't know who I am anymore. So I have that feeling uh, now, but you know, as a parent, you know, suicide is not an option because what it does to them. Yeah. But I want about this because during my time at Duke, several of my colleagues and people you know, so I won't say their names, several of my colleagues had children who were who had either attempted suicide or were suicidal or having some kind of major depression. Um, and it kind of seemed to come on rapidly. Like it's not like the, the child was acting you know, this way for a long period of time, but just something happened in that child's life. Then all of a sudden that was the place that they went. And since most of our, our chats are, are supposed to be about technology and how they impact communities, I thought this was very important because there are more suicides now than we have. Well, let me take that back. I don't know if there are more now, but they are 
the records and they're on the news and they're, they're coming to the forefront more than we had before. I mean, I'm sure people have been committing suicide forever and the numbers are not small because mental health is a very, very big issue in our country. Mm-hmm. Um, and tell ourselves stories about mental health. You know, like it used to be a stigma, you know, yeah. to be um, mentally ill or to have some kind of mental issue. Yeah. Uh, assumptions about people who have mental illness uh, and, um, and how we perceive them. But in reality, we all have some kind of mental issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, how well we deal with it determines the outcome. You know, so like if you have a bad day at work or something happens between you and your wife or something happens to your child or something like that, you know, it triggers a little mental negativity, if I, if for lack of a better term. And usually we overcome it, right? If you have mm-hmm. a sickness in your family if a close family or a friend dies you know these small little mental you know blips but typically people overcome them and they go on and you know they're okay other people not so much and for young people you know one of the interesting things about young people especially how we think of them once they get a certain age right so about the age 13 or 14 they start acting like adults in a lot of ways right they have opinions they're talking back they're going and hanging out with their friends and we make assumptions that they're okay you know that they need to keep going right but you know the criminal justice system if that child however old that child is commits a criminal act he or she may be charged as an adult but what we know is the brain doesn't finish fully developing almost until 18 or 19, even older for some people, depending on. So the decisions that they make are not always rational or logical in the way that we think things should be. So when you think about that in terms of mental health, especially among children committing suicide, you know, like there are a lot of problems in our world. There's a lot going on around us, right? But what are our children hearing and seeing, right? So social media, social yeah. media, you know, it was very interesting to hear the woman, the whistleblower on Facebook the other day, uh, talk about Facebook and Instagram. It was very interesting to hear that. But I think we always knew that, right? We always yeah. knew that we were lurking in the background, but we didn't understand, right? And so how much screen time, and I think you and I have talked about this before, how often do we put our phone down, turn it off, put it down and don't look at it anymore for a period of time. Because that's like never personally. (laughs) That's the example you're studying for your child, right? So uh, you might be doing work or writing a book or whatever you're doing. All your child sees is you're holding your phone in your hand, which then means it's okay for them to hold their phone in their hand or however they use it. And what they're doing also, they may not be writing a book or doing work, but they might be on social media. And the input on social media it varies you know so some people are encouraged and told they're beautiful and smart and you know all these funny things and then there are other things that are on social media that are not so much so so um a few years ago and i want to say in the early part of 2000 but i don't remember Mm -hmm. uh served a husband with divorce papers on facebook (laughs) right so if you can imagine how traumatic that must have been, and that went to court, you know, because of all kind of privacy things and all this stuff, it ended up in, in court. 
But just think about the things that we are free to post in social media, right? You could post anything you want in social media. Now, yeah. somebody around to reviewing it and they may take it down. So if you threaten to kill somebody or if you threaten to do such and such, you may find that it'll, your po- post will be taken down. But how many people have seen it by then? Or yeah. what? So what's out there in social media and how our children perceive that? So imagine a girl breaking up with a boy on, on, on social media or a boy breaking up with a girl on social media. Imagine that. Or a boy who's had intimate relations with a girl talking about that on social media, saying something they, oh, like it wasn't great or, you know, whatever. I mean, all of these things are going on out there and there's no one moderating it, right? So there's yeah. no one seeing how it's done. So Drew, you have a son. How do you manage his life and his relationships and his use of technology? And I know that's a lot, but. Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, I would say probably not well. I mean, he has a, a lot of freedom to do uh what he wants to on there. And a lot of it is just, we sort of trust him to do the right thing and try and keep an eye on, you know, if he is, uh, I think all of that is like very hard though. Like, especially around when we talk about, so going back to the thing with the Facebook whistleblower, if I'm remembering right, like, uh, she was pretty much saying, well, Facebook has all of these all this data on like Instagram specifically, and they know that Instagram specifically is like awful for the mental health of like uh, teenage girls. And they pretty much said, well, it still makes us a lot of money off of those teenage girls. So we're just going to keep on doing it. And then they were even trying to get like a a younger version of Instagram up, like before all this happened. And it's just like, I don't know. It's, I mean, I think it's a probably a result of like a super capitalistic society where we're just saying, hey, we just want to make more money. Like, we don't really care about what it's doing to the people, which I think was the whistleblower's point. But all of that stuff is really hard, especially around like when we think about moderation of all these social media sites. Like, personally, I still have Facebook. And one of my favorite Facebook hobbies is uh, reporting posts. <laughs> so when people are posting fake health information or fake political information which is like you know objectively false like it's not uh there's not a lot of room for debate in a lot of these things but Facebook like rarely takes these things down like I would say like one out of every 10 that I report they end up taking down which is like awful because you know those other nine are blatantly incorrect uh misleading and like harmful messages and I mean I can't even imagine like thinking about teenagers who could be posting stuff i mean like if, if facebook can't take down uh 100 like fake health information how are they going to take down uh things like bullying or things that may be and i don't want to say bullying is a gray area because it's not but uh, it's, if they can't take down things that are uh you know 100 fake how are they going to take down things that have lots of you know opinions and you know, all these emotions that kids have running through them that just get barfed out through the keyboard and posted online. Like it's, it's hard. And I don't even know that it's possible. Yeah. And, and, you know, I think that the um, interesting piece about all of this is like, you know, Facebook is always on the television talking about internet regulations. They want internet regulations, Mm -hmm. but the federal government really needs to take over the internet in its entirety. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that 
these companies who create these great technologies, they're great if they're able to control them, you know, but there's so much out there. Like, so, you know, my address and phone number is everywhere. If you want to know what my address and phone, oh yeah, just put in my name. Mm-hmm. Now think about that for young people, right? So we are the, the purveyors of technology. So we understand this. Your IP address, right? Mm-hmm. So what your IP address is for? What's the purpose of the IP address? What is it? Yeah, it, uh, it points out like your identity online, like your IP address is what it's like, it's your home address for the internet, right? Like uh, if I have your IP address, uh, I can see, if I do enough research, I can see what other things you're doing, right? Like if you're connect, if we're connecting together through Zoom, uh, and I don't know if Zoom specifically does it, but it's, you know, high probability that we can see what address each other are coming from. And then if there are other sources of that data, we could see that. One thing that I found very interesting was, uh, so one way a lot of people uh, watch movies is through like BitTorrent, right? They download movies. And when people, or video games or TV shows or whatever, and someone made a site where when you're doing this like file sharing, everybody can see each other's IP address. So somebody just made a little program that slurped in everybody's IP addresses, looked at what files they were downloaded, and then made a public website where if you put it in an IP address, you can see exactly what people are downloading. And it's like, you know, most people aren't going to know this, but because, you know, all these things that you've downloaded are associated to your IP address, it's more or less public knowledge because that stuff is not, uh, is not secured. Right. And so with that as an example, and I'm going to ask another question in a minute, but with that as an example, who's protecting our children who are out there online? doing only so even what you just described. So I am really, uh, I mean, maybe I'm not a good technologist because, you know, I just figured out streaming <laughs> and, and barely figured it out. Um, everything in my house is connected to ethernet except for my TV. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself, I need to plug my TV into the internet because <laughs> I want everybody to see what I'm, what I'm streaming, you know, so I have my own accounts to all these things. But there's so much information out there available that can lead you the wrong way. Yeah. You know, it's like, like one of the interesting things, I'll say one more thing about streaming. One of the things about streaming, like I noticed that there are no dirty channels on the streaming services. Like there's no Playboy, there's no Penthouse <laughs> or whatever they all are. And I'm like, wonder why that is. But yet still they have a kid restriction that you can put on your streaming. Like, so you have to tell them who's watching. And I assume that is because no one wants to watch murder movies through. Uh, <laughs> that's why that's there. But like, what is the purpose of that? You know, so when you think about how much information is available to our children and how it's available to them without us standing over their shoulders 24 hours a day watching everything that they do. Yeah. How them safe and healthy. Yeah. So like, I don't see... And like personally speaking, when we talk about things like uh, media and streaming, I don't see uh, violence as necessarily being bad for children to watch. Assuming, uh, assuming, assuming there's nothing else going on. Like, assuming they're they're not like uh, picking up these violent tendencies. Like when I think about personally speaking, as a kid, like. Uh, my brother and I played all the violent video games you could think of, watched all the violent movies you can think of. And I consider myself like a pretty nonviolent <laughs> person in general. So like, 
at least personally speaking, I don't think that's as big of a deal for kids, especially when it comes to like comparing it against things like bullying. Like I would see either being a bully or getting bullied to be a much bigger deal than uh, media consumption and video games and stuff like that. That's interesting. So my son is a huge Game of Thrones fan. I didn't mm-hmm. know what that was very recently. Um, uh, House of Cards. Mm-hmm. And very recently he started watching La Bria. I don't know what that is. But I just happened to be in the room with him with one of the shots of La Bria. One of, the, one, of the, one of the places of the movie or TV show it was. And somebody shot somebody in the face while mm-hmm. I was sick. I, of course, that made me sick to my stomach. So I had to run upstairs and throw up. But what, what I don't understand about these things is what if, is, if it is okay to watch these things. Now, bullying, you know, on the internet, I mean, so I have, well, I don't know, you may not, but have you heard the uh, thing that was going around for the longest time about there was just, um, I forgot what they call what the word is they called, but slap a teacher? No. There was this thing that's going around in elementary school, so K-12, like a dare, slap a yeah. teacher. And I'm married to a teacher, right? So, yeah. you no, know, okay. Now, n- no one in their right mind would want to slap my husband. <laughs> I would just check. My husband is not the kind you slap, right? So I yeah. don't care how or he's not the kind you slap. The messages that come out, whether it's somebody being shot in the face, whether someone's threatening to hurt somebody, whatever it is, the messages come out are subjective, just like almost everything else. How we interpret what we hear, right? So what I saw when the man got shot in the face, my son laughed. He thought that was like, that is not funny. That was terrible. He thought that was funny. The, the, the slap a teacher thing. I mean, like, I don't know if it's still trending, whatever that might mean. But, you know, like everybody was really talking about it. I mean, it made it to the national news. It was everywhere. People were just talking about slap a teacher. Yeah. Where do they get this information from? And how does this information affect them? And so while you may not think that violence, I mean, what you said about you and your brothers, you know, that makes perfectly good sense. But what about those odd, oddballs, for lack of a better word, those people who, who not, who are not able, not able to sensibly parse reality Mm -hmm. from non-reality, from people who don't know how to take comments and rejections and things like that in social media how where do they get that sense of safety and health well-being when there is no one to oversee you know their social media is going to post down and and, and do anything about it as you just said you know the parents are giving children a little bit of rope right you're giving them a little bit to go out there and find themselves how do how do we how using technology can we address this yeah uh, so that's a great question. And I feel like that sort of opens up like a can of worms as well. Like, uh, you did a really good job of verbalizing what I was thinking when I, when I say like, if there's like under underlying circumstances, right. For those people that are having trouble and can't distinguish that, you know, something is bad or something is good or something is like not reality. Right. Like it's easy to say, oh yeah, that's not reality. But, you know, especially when you're young and you know, when your brain isn't fully formed, it's not something that you can always totally understand and like in addition to that like how do you know when a kid is not fully understanding that it's fake right like you can talk about you can talk with them about it but I don't know that uh for all kids that's enough and I don't know how to classify 
if a kid would know that is enough. Like maybe there are mental health experts out there that can, but uh, I don't know. That's like, it's, it's very rough. And I have a mental health person come on our show. But what I really want to understand is the technology piece, because, you know, I don't know about you as a black kid. It used to be something called the dozens. Did y'all have the dozens? I don't think so. Talking about your mother, right? So it was who could make the worst your mother jokes, right? Your mother's so fat that you know, she's in the elevator. Or your mother's so dumb when she asked for change for a quarter, she asked, she went in the house to see if she could change in a quarter. You know, I mean, those kinds of things. You know, back in the day when I was young, and of course I'm not that anymore, but that was hilarious to me. But it brought some people to fight, right? Yeah. It would make, you know, they'd be after school fights. Kids would be fighting because somebody talked about somebody's mama, yeah. right? And so there were all these kinds of things that go on in society that evolve over time. What technology has really done is, is given it a way to explode, right? So you never heard of the dozens. And I don't know if that's a black, white thing or whatever. I don't know. But you never heard of the dozens. And I'll say I've never heard of it called that before. But we did do I do remember like as a kid, kids doing things like that. We just didn't use that name for it. Right. And, and, And there were so many things like that happened that have evolved to now live in social media. Right. So, you know, you can discuss someone's social economic wealth well-being right on social media right so mm-hmm. you eat free and reduced lunch right yeah as an example right so mm-hmm. somebody could post or you know um bullying as you talked about you know kids making fun of kids because of something like that they didn't make the football team or you know whatever it is whatever these things are there are all these threads that, that kind of dangle in the background and the, yeah. and we are making an assumption that every post every word out there the people who are reading it can decipher it intelligently. And that's not to say that they're not intelligent, but to know what it really means, right? So, you know, maybe the other side of this, and this is why I asked you about technology, maybe we create emotional intelligence for technology, right? So Mm -hmm. that there is where we know that Fruit Loops is spelled F-R-R, F-R-O-O-T, as opposed to F-R-U-I-T. Because who everybody knows that but they may not so maybe in front of access to social media access to certain technologies that there is this level of of care and whether it's emotional intelligence or what i don't know and i just want to raise one more point about that because i know we're running out of time and you're going to tell me in a few minutes but do you remember when um game stock went really wild and went high and everybody was out do you remember oh, yeah. the fallout from that you remember the number of people that some people committed suicide. Some people were depressed. All of that from that game stock thing. Yeah. Think about that. Now, these are mostly adults, at least some, some of them. I mean, not everybody who was buying game stock was an adult. Game stock, game stock, stock. <laughs> but, but a great deal of them were. And they yeah. couldn't handle it. Now, throw all that stuff out there that's in social media, right? You need to live in a certain place. You need to dress a certain kind of way. You need to walk a certain kind of way. Because it's not you become an outsider or you become something that's an exception and you become subjected to bullying or yeah. have a, an event in your life that you don't know how to process correctly. And if I if I'm an example, most children don't talk to their parents about things in their day. We are the last to know, you know, yeah. hope everything that happens, they parse it well and they go on. But they don't come and say, hey, mom, you know, I 
this happened to me at school today or, you know, and I really don't know how to deal with it. They yeah. internalize or they share it with each other. So they become each other's co-counsel and psychiatrist and, and, and counselor and all that stuff, trying to figure out stuff. We, we need help. We, we need help. And, you know, to have a young person die by their own hands is a failure of the adults. It's a failure of the adults because somehow or another, we haven't reached them to say, we're here. We're here. We can help you from this. Whatever it is, we can get through it. You know, death at, at any cost other than natural death is, is very disturbing. And we have a lot of that going on around us. And maybe with so much chaos in the world around us, we're encouraging people to not value life the way that it should be. Yeah. You know, you are here for a reason, you know, and yes, you're going to have ups and downs and difficulties and challenges, but still yeah. purpose to this, you know, you should enjoy the time that you have. Uh, absolutely. I'm waiting on you to write the program that's going to fix this too. <laughs> I will. It's, I mean, it's something that's needed, right? Like that's, uh, it's a, it's a huge hole out there right now. And it's, it's that's one of those things that like, I, you know, I say it's impossible, but I, I don't think it's impossible. Like people wrote Google, people can, if, if it was, if it would, if it could make easy money, like advertising, it would already be out there, you know? We don't want to save the world. We do not. We want to save the money. Because if we want to save the world, none of us would be back in the office with the Delta variant still running rampant. But I do understand it's on a decline now, thankfully. But we would have not gone school. We would have not gone back into the office if we cared about life. We care about money more. Yeah. 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 For sure. Thank you for listening to Eminent Teachnology. If you like the show, please review, subscribe, and recommend us to your friends and family. We'd love to hear feedback from you as well. You can email us at eminentteachnology at gmail.com. See y'all soon.